0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Verse 31, moreover ye shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer which is guilty of death, but he shall be surely put to death. Ye shall take no satisfaction. Basically, the word satisfaction in each of these instances is, is money. You're not going to take any money or a bribe. You shall take no satisfaction for him that has fled to the city of his refuge, that he should come again to dwell in the land until the death of the priest. So ye shall not pollute the land wherein ye are for blood. It defileth the land. The land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. So ye shall not pollute the land wherein ye are, for blood it defileth the land. And the land cannot, everybody say cannot, cannot be cleansed of the blood that it is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. But by the blood of him that shed it. For a little while tonight, I want to minister this subject, blood for blood, blood for blood. And I'm going to preach tonight. If this, if this pertains to you, touches you, that's great. I understand a long time ago when we started doing things online that my audience is a whole lot broader than what sits right here. Uh, there's an audience that you don't see that, 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 that taps into these. And so if I'm not preaching to you tonight, I'm preaching to an audience even beyond the walls of this assembly amen amen and I just ask you to help me for a little bit father I come to you tonight I'm grateful Lord for your spirit I pray oh Lord tonight anoint my mind and my lips help me God to be your servant God I pray Lord adequate servant I pray Jesus for your use and glory I pray God today mark every error from my lips and from my mind let there be a word a concise word that can be Lord shared Lord Jesus from this pulpit tonight God grant us understanding God that I know Lord that you will Lord impart that Lord Jesus this evening God, as you unfold these scriptures, Lord Jesus, for the life, God, of the church, of the world of humanity, God, as it is, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray and the church, say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Blood, blood for blood. Everybody say blood, blood, the red fluid that's circulating in our bodies that takes Nourishment to all of our body parts and carries away the waste blood makes up about 7% of your body's weight about 7% of your body ladies is blood 10 to 12 pints or one to one and a half gallons is the amount of blood in the human body only one uh, it's one of the principal signs for human life is is blood pressure that is and the measurement of pressure that circulating blood has on the walls of the blood vessels that pressure is an indication that there is signs of life for humanity there are 100,000 miles of blood vessels in an adult human body your heart will pump nearly 1.5 million barrels of blood during your lifetime, enough to fill 200 train tank cars completely full. A sudden reduction of the quantity of blood in the body causes death. But this phenomenon is itself has a deeper reason that all activity of the body depends on the quantity of the blood. The Bible calls and called the blood of the human body of Jesus Christ precious blood. And indeed blood on any level I would dare to say is precious Our bodies contain, they say, about 0.2 milligrams of gold. Our body does. And most of it is found in our blood. It's precious. We cannot live without it. And there is no substitute upon this world for human blood. There is no substitute. The Bible even portrays the blood of living creatures as something that is very sacred and very meaningful with a certain element of protection that is placed over the blood of even animals. When the floodwaters had receded and Noah and those that were with him, his family emerged from the ark after being shut in there for some time in Genesis 9. God introduced something into their diet that had not been there before. Before they had every herb of the world for meat, but now God had introduced meat, the flesh of moving things, as meat for their diet and in their life. He introduced that into their diet, but with one restriction. Do not eat the blood. The Bible says in Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood, or I say blood, that maketh an atonement for the soul. He said the life of the flesh is in the blood, whether it be creature or whether it be human. The life of the flesh is is in the blood. And so under the Old Testament sacrificial system, there were many animals under the Old Sacrificial System because of the law that died by a non-negotiable forfeiting, if you will, of their blood, giving up of their blood. And then both the body and the blood that was from the animal were instrumental to the atonement for mankind. Throughout different places in the scripture, it even makes the statement that the blood is the life. It doesn't beat around the bush. It's very direct. It says the blood is the life. It is in these passages that many claim that it shows that the Hebrew people, the Jews, thought of life as somehow residing or resident in the blood. To let out the blood was to let out the life To lose blood was to lose the life. And so whenever we understand their, their, their concept of that and how they regarded the, the blood of animals at a pretty high regard, then we need to consider what type of regard the blood of humanity had in their eyes, or even in the eyes of God. Our text within the context in which it is set is speaking about murder. It's speaking about someone taking the life of another viciously with intent, premeditated, if you will, taking the life of another individual. It also speaks of the consequences of taking a life involuntarily, an accidental death, an involuntary manslaughter, accidental homicide, if you will. But the verse of Scripture states very plainly Plainly in verse 33 concerning the blood of a human. The blood, it defileth the land. In other words, whether it is intentional or whether it is deliberate, the blood that is shed, it defiles the land. It taints the land. It soils the land. And it follows it up by this phrase. The land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed. So whenever blood was spilled out upon the land, it tainted it, it defiled it, it marred it, and it tells us that it cannot be cleansed of the blood. In other words, whenever blood is shed, that's a bell that you cannot unring. Whenever the blood was shed, you cannot clean up the blood that has fallen on the ground and somehow put that back in the body. You can't clean that up. The ground is absorbing that and taking that in. The land absorbs the blood. And so we're handed here in Scripture uh, impossibility. The land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed. When it is shed, it is shed. What is done is done. When that's taken place, it's over. When that life has escaped the body, that life has escaped the body the land cannot be cleansed and if the land cannot be cleansed then the land must remain defiled if there is no cleansing for the land then the land is in a state of being soiled of being marred of being tainted of being corrupt if it cannot be cleansed it cannot be made clean it will remain defiled it will remain soiled and whenever you have that type of defilement of on the land it can have generational implications can someone say amen the Bible states in scripture of 2 Samuel 21 and verse 1 David right now is ruler and the Bible says there then there was a famine everybody say famine everybody say defilement Amen. there was a famine in the days of David three years year after year And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. With intent, knowing what he was doing, he took the life of some of the Gibeonites, and blood was shed upon the land. The Bible says and the king called the Gibeonites and said unto them now the Gibeonites has a, a little explanation here in the parentheses, now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel but of the remnant of the Amorites and the children of Israel had sworn unto them and Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel and to Judah. What happened folks was this, it's recorded for us in Joshua chapter number 9 that Joshua Joshua and the children of Israel were making their progression into the land of Canaan. They had defeated Jericho and they had defeated Ai. They were going forth with great, great victory, as it were. And as they were having victory after victory into the land of Canaan, the fame and the success of the people went throughout all of the land. Word of them was already reaching portions that they had not yet reached with their feet. Their reputation was going before them concerning their their, their their success, amen, in their warfare. And the Bible says when the Gibeonites, who were people of Canaan, heard about the fame and heard about the success, they could see very quickly that they may fall prey to the same type of attack as Jericho and Ai. And in order to keep from all of this happening, the Bible says some of these Gibeonites posed as ambassadors of a land of of a far country far far away the Bible says they put old sacks upon their beast of burden they took old bottles old wine bottles that were rent old wine bottles that were broken they put old shoes upon their feet and old garments upon their bodies they put within their possession not fresh bread or a hot bread but they put moldy dry bread within their possession and they went on a journey and they met the children of of Israel and they said hey we come from a far country we heard about the fame of everything that you're doing in Jericho and Ai we're hearing about all of your success and we would love to make a league with you amen remember now God had advised Israel don't be making a league with anybody of the Canaanites because to do so you're compromising yourself and who you are and what you stand for but these people under a false guise can make make a league with us Joshua and the Bible says that Joshua made a league with them their stories seem to check out surely they're from a far land they got old sacks here their shoes have worn on their feet because of the far journey their bread is now moldy surely it was hot whenever they first started they got old garments they've been on a long 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 journey surely we can make a league with them and the Bible says that Joshua made a league with the people only to find out just a short time later that the were inhabitants of the land of Canaan and he had done wrong in the sight of God but because he already gave them his word and already made an oath to them the Bible says he could not take their life as a result of it but in 2 Samuel 21 somewhere between that time and these three years now that David has dealt with famine in his land there was a king before him by the name Of Saul, we have no other record of this in scripture than what we have in 2nd Samuel 21. Amen. But Saul evidently murdered those Gibeonites, and as a result of blood being shed, the land was defiled, the land was tainted. David is now dealing with year number three of the famine that is in the land, and David wants to know. God, why is this famine here? And what can I do to cleanse the land or remedy the situation, amen, that's taking place right here? And if we were to lean on the advice in the book of Numbers, it would be this. David, the famine is here because blood was shed and blood defiles the land. But if we would go just a little bit further, David, you cannot cleanse the land of shed blood. You cannot cleanse the land of shed blood. Folks, whenever we go back to the book of Genesis and we consider the first family of Adam and Eve and we understand that the first, everybody say murder. The first murder took place outside of Eden. The first murder took place in that first family. Amen. Cain killed his brother Abel. And the Bible says that Abel's blood cried from the ground it cried from the land nobody seen perhaps what Cain did but Abel's blood cried from the ground the ground that now was defiled by Abel's blood the blood of Abel defiled the land and so now the Bible says whenever Cain goes forward he's a tiller of the ground scripture says Abel is a keeper of flocks but whenever Cain goes now and he tries to till the ground the Bible says the Lord told him it's not going to yield its strength now, because there's been bloodshed, and in bloodshed, it defiles the land, it taints the land, it mars the land, so it's not going to yield the strength that it once yielded to you, furthermore, can I say here this evening, that the ground was defiled, but the ground that was defiled was the same stuff that God took and formed man. was the same dust of the ground that God took and formed man so in a sense not only was the land defiled and the land tainted and the land corrupt but the man who was formed from the land was defiled and was corrupt and was marred amen because blood was shed and blood defiles the land can someone say amen We have the first sin of Adam and Eve, their transgression. We understand that that corrupted the relationship between God and between man. We understand the curse that came upon man and the curse that came upon the woman and the curse that came upon the serpent and the curse that came upon the grounds thorns and thistles. The Bible speaks of, amen, all with the first sin. But can I tell you that additional sins will continue to ruin the condition of man not only will he be corrupt but he will become more corrupt Amen. with the continued sin and so the blood of Abel literally defiled the land but figuratively amen further it defiled humanity because blood defiles and the land cannot be cleansed someone say amen In Numbers 35, the context and setting of the Scripture is that the Lord is making provision for the Levites who had no land of their own. Their portion, the Bible says, was the Lord. They had no portion of land that was their own. And so God had put a decree upon every other tribe, every other people, that you are to give them cities for the Levites to dwell in those cities would have suburbs or pasture land that they would be able to farm that their cattle would be able to graze in six of the cities that you give them are to be cities of refuge the cities of refuge three on one side of the Jordan River three on the other side of the Jordan River the cities of refuge were put in place for those who involuntarily killed someone. Amen. Didn't mean to. It was an accident but involuntarily killed someone. And whenever that happened this individual that had done that they had the privilege of running to a city of refuge and if they met its bounds and met its confines they would hold a trial and the individual that was there before them would be decided whether or not they were guilty or not guilty. If they were not guilty, they could stay in that city of refuge and they should stay in that city of refuge. The Bible says until the death of the high priest of that city, until the high priest of that city died, that person that involuntarily killed someone should stay right there in the city of refuge because if he were to go outside of it, the avenger of blood could kill him with no questions asked. Even if he was innocent with no questions asked. And the reason being is because if blood is shed, whether it's intentional or involuntarily, it still defiles the land. As so a matter of fact, if they broke this little session of staying there till the high priest died and they left the land and the avenger blood caught them, which the avenger of blood was usually a relative to the one that was killed or the one that died. He could kill them without any consequence, did not have to obey anything because he was basically taking the life of one who took a life. All right? and then there were provision in all of this they spoke about a murderer a cold blood murderer and what I read over and over again in Numbers 35 when I read concerning the murderer there is no provision made for a fair trial there is no provision made for a city of refuge for this individual whenever they were a murderer if they had an instrument of iron and they killed somebody they said that guy should die they said if he has thrown a stone and he meant to hit somebody and they die that person then should die if a man has a weapon made of wood and he takes the life of another intentionally then the murderer must die they could take no satisfaction they could take no money the shed blood whether intentional or involuntary could not be compensated for with money or bribe he wasn't going to bribe somebody out of the situation that was going on right here, no monetary value could be could clean the slate of one that had murdered another. The crime was too heinous; it was too great, amen, to be remedied by anything less than life itself. Nothing else could satisfy this. In the Old Testament time, they lived by a different law than we live by. It was if a man lost an eye, then the man who caused his eye to be lost lost an eye. It was an eye for an eye. tooth for a tooth. The old saying is if we had that type of law today, our body would be blind and toothless. But it was an eye for an eye. A tooth for a tooth. The Bible speaks of a hand for a hand. A foot for a foot. And so in these terms, it was a life for a life. Or if you will, blood for blood. That is why, folks, listen to me. That is why the convicted murderer must be executed. His life for the life that he took. His blood for the blood that he took. That's the reason why the one who slain the one involuntary had to stay in that city of refuge until the death of the high priest. Because again, it was a life for a life. It was blood for blood. Only that could wipe away an unintentional homicide or wipe away an intentional homicide but the Bible tells us that we've been reading and looking at we know that blood defiles the land we've already we've already described that we've already seen that it defiles the land we understand very clearly then after the land is defiled if we stop after this phrase we understand that the land cannot be cleansed of the blood there's not a special soap agent that you can use in order to get rid amen and cleanse the land of the blood you can't soak it back up and put it back in the body that's not going to cleanse it But the Bible says, but everybody say, but, but by the blood of him that shed it. The only way to cleanse the land of its defilement, because blood has been shed, is to get the blood of the one who shed the blood. Someone say amen. So shed blood defiles the land. And the only way it can be reversed as if the blood of the one who shed the blood could be acquired. So in this one verse, encapsulated in this one verse, is a very clear reality that I wish to point out. Blood defiles, but blood also cleanses. Blood defiles the land, but it was also this thing called blood that had the ability of cleansing the land. And so the phrase cannot cleanse changes to can cleanse when you introduce the blood which is given up by death. David asks, God, why is there famine here? God says, it's because blood has been shed. And you can't cleanse the land of that famine, David. But one way, it takes blood. So in 2 Samuel 21, the Gibeonites were compensated for the members of their family that were wrongfully killed by Saul. The only way to repair this famine that's been defiling the land for three years was to have the blood of him that shed the blood of the Gibeonites. But Saul is already dead. Saul is already cold in his grave. But he had offspring, he had a bloodline, he had descendants and they said let's get the seven sons and or grandsons of Saul. Let's hang them up there and let their life be for the Gibeonites' life and their blood for the Gibeonites' blood. And the Bible says whenever it was blood for blood and life for life that the famine that had been on the land tainted the land, marred the land, defiled the land, the moment that was done, the famine was over. The land was restored back to its original condition. It was productive. It was profitable because blood had answered blood. Someone say amen whenever we talk about this folks and we talk about blood or the vengeance of blood it's not as though this was an option among many but this was the only option this was just not an option this was a theological necessity it took blood amen if blood defiled it took blood to cleanse if blood defiled it took Blood to cleanse. It wasn't an option. It was a theological necessity. It took blood to cleanse. Hebrews 9.22 says, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Folks, what are you saying tonight, Brother McGee? I'm saying this and I'm trying to preach and get along here. But whenever Jesus came and he became the flesh, the human flesh for God, he supplied the blood and became networked into the family of God all the way back according to the gospels not just to Abraham but one of the gospels marks him all the way back to Adam, amen, the first man and so whenever Jesus came down he supplied the body he supplied the blood he's a part of the human family and he's given forth the source the agent that is needed for cleansing, can someone say Amen? That's great, Pastor, but it has to be the blood of the one that was the perpetrator. It has to be the blood of the one that shed the blood. Well, ladies and gentlemen, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says, For he hath made him, God hath made Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. From the onset of time, he wasn't the perpetrator. He wasn't the adulterer. He wasn't the idolater. He wasn't the murderer. He wasn't all these other things. He wasn't the killer. He wasn't the liar. He wasn't the cheater. But he uh, he hath been made sin for us. The Bible says in Isaiah 53:6, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, 3, 12 he bare the sin of many. Galatians 3:13, being made a curse for us first peter 2:22 who knew no sin but he became acquainted with it because it was laid on him first peter 2:24 who his own self bare our sins in his body on the tree So in a moment of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman. God inhabited that body that had blood that made him a part of the human family and then placed sin on him because he didn't know no sin. He made him both the perpetrator. He made him both the problem and the solution. It was. So it's amen. Christ was made the perpetrator in order that the blood of the guilty could cleanse the land and make all things new. Someone say amen. Blood defiles the land. It was blood defiled the land. And it defiled humanity who was made from that land. Defiled the land. It cannot be cleansed. There's no way to cleanse it. There's no way to remedy this. There's no way to cure this. Except the blood of the one who shed the blood. Let it be taken. Christ, you're not hanging there for anybody. You're not hanging there for your sins. But you're hanging there for our sins. But as a result of it, you've been made the perpetrator. You've been made the one that shed the blood. You've been made the one that shed the blood. And as a result of that, humanity's defiled. As a result of that, we're tainted. As a result of that, we're shaped in iniquity and born into sin, as David said. As a result of that, that is our lot in life. And there's no cure for it. There's no cure for it. There's no remedy for it. There's no way to make that wrong right except that there be some blood of the perpetrator shed Christ came down and he supplied the blood and the connection to the human family and whenever his blood was shed on the cross it was cleansing the land it was purifying the land it was taking care of the problem that humanity had that there was no other solution for except shed blood it defiles but it also cleanses some would say yes blood shed in the beginning even through Abel defiled the land but the blood shed at Calvary cleansed the land (sighs) stand with me here this evening the Bible says in Ephesians 1 7 in whom Christ we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace First John 1 7 but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and everybody say the blood the blood of Christ Jesus his son cleanseth us from all sin can't cleanse can't cleanse the blood you can't cleanse the land after blood has been shed unless there's some other blood shed Whew. Ah. Whew. If I can tonight, if I can return just to a few of those opening facts with a different perspective, one of the principal signs of life is the blood. Secondly, all activity of the body, we spoke of the body of Christ this morning, we spoke about the church. All activity of the body depends on the quantity of the blood. There's no satisfaction that can be taken for the murderer or the unintentional murderer. No money. i close with this. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver or gold, there was no satisfaction, no money, no bribe from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious, everybody say Precious. Precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Blood defiles the land, humanity, us included. It cannot be cleansed but that there would be blood of the perpetrator and he who wasn't the perpetrator became the perpetrator so that he could satisfy The status quo of it had to be the perpetrator's blood in order to cleanse the land. He says, I'm not one of you, but I'm going to become one of you because there's no other solution to this thing unless there's some bloodshed. It defiled, but we need some bloodshed that's capable of cleansing the land. If we unbow our heads in this place tonight, it's blood for blood no big deal right sometimes I think we got it so easy we get off easy whenever Christ steps in because whenever we begin to understand there was no other solution (laughs) no other solution there was no other ways to make amends except by the way that he did it let me tell you we got off easy we got off easy the blood the blood and the willingness of an humble servant that left his home and glory to walk among the likes of you and I and take upon the nature of you and I for the purpose that says I'm looking at a tainted people a marred soiled people without any remedy or solution they need some blood of a perpetrator I'll become that I'll do that I'll satisfy that can we just raise our hands right now and be thankful? Oh God. The land cannot be cleansed of the blood that was shed, but by the blood of the one whom shed it. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How, how, how can I have that solution? Pastor McGee and I speak from here into the internet world. How can I have how can I have a solution for an item where there is no solution? If you walk in the light as he is the light, you'll have fellowship with him. And the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you of every sin, cleanse you in your land of every dilemma. For it reaches to the highest mountain it flows to the lowest valley. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never, never, ever lose its power. The blood may have stained us, but the blood of Christ can cleanse us. Hallelujah. Raise your heads right now and receive the message of his blood. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening.